I'm gonna I'm gonna read. If you wanna take your Bible, I'm gonna I'm gonna read just a part of the eighth chapter of Matthew. We've been going through Matthew. Matthew's gospel. Each of the gospels is God uses the personality of the person and um, speaks to them. I mean, all scriptures God breathed, right? God breathed. It's breathed by the Lord. It's spoken by God, and um, and He uses men to write them down. But in the in the first chapters of Matthew, uh, in Matthew's gospel, we are we are introduced to the person of Jesus Christ, to the person of the King. We we are we're told about Jesus's genealogy. We're informed about his birth, or we see his baptism in the beginning of his ministry. And then following that, Matthew leads us, and he and and we're shown the principles of the King. And we're, we walk through, we've just finished walking through the teachings of Jesus Christ as he shares the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what is believed that sermon took place is more like, not a large mountain, but more like a hillside that uh, they believe where it was was overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And, um, and he gave us that incredible message where we're taught about true righteousness and the ways of the kingdom. And as we move into the 8th chapter of Matthew we're introduced to the power of the king. How many you know we serve a king of power? Amen. Of all, he's all powerful. And in this one chapter, it just in just Matthew eight alone, we see Jesus's power over leprosy, over paralysis, over fever, over nature, and over demons. In just the one chapter, and uh, and so Matthew's revealing a lot of important things to us, and. Um, and I want to I want to read just a part of chapter eight, beginning uh, here in verse five, with this particular story, this one story. And it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, um, this was the city where uh, where Peter and Andrew had their home. And uh, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed. And in terrible suffering. It's interesting that centurions, when they're mentioned in the scripture, I believe they're always mentioned in positive light. There was something that was good that was happening among this, this group. And it was something that this man that was a centurion who was a, a leader among the Roman army that had such compassion uh, about people who were serving him and had such care. And so what, a, what an interesting and incredible man this was. But um, he said, my servant lies uh, at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. I want you to say that with me. Just say the word. Just say the word, he said, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, astonished, and he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. I want to speak to you for the next few minutes just about the thought of just say the word. Just say the word. It's interesting, you know, the crowds, when Jesus finished his Sermon on the Mount, it said the crowds were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he taught as one who had authority. And here Jesus himself, isn't it something Jesus himself, as he's talking with the centurion, Jesus himself says, I'm amazed. I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Now, wouldn't that be something that you had such great faith or that I had such great faith that it amazed the Lord? And that's exactly what had happened. Amen? And uh, that Jesus himself was amazed at this. And, and so we, we see just an incredible thing transpire here and, and in, this, in this story and, and the importance of, of what this man believed. It was, it was his faith in what? In who Jesus was and in what Jesus had to say. It was faith in his word. He understood authority. How many know that we, we, we are in a world that where there are authorities and all authorities are established by God? And he, first of all, the centurion, he was, he, he was a man under authority and he was also a man that was over authority. And he understood what it was to speak and, or to be spoken to and you do what they said or you do what the authority said or he would speak as the authority and they would do what he said. He understood who Jesus was, that he was the supreme authority and that if he said it, it would happen. And so that's why he could say, just say the word. Because he knew he was, who he was talking to and he knew the power that was in Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. Amen? And so I, I want us, as we're looking at this chapter, I just read a portion of it. There are several stories. But um, as we look at this chapter, I want us to see and, and just how, how is it, how is Jesus' power released? How is Jesus' power released? And I'm going to give you a, just a quick glimpse of each thing that happens. After the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing that happens, a leper comes to Jesus. And, uh, and he comes to Jesus and he says, he says to him, to Jesus, he said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. And the Bible says immediately the man was cured. Alright? Why was he cured? Because Jesus said, be clean. It was because of the words that Jesus had spoken, the words released by him. And then we just read about the centurion who came to him for help. And uh, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. It's interesting, the centurion realized, he said, that what he needed, he, he didn't have to have Jesus' physical presence in the room. Aren't you glad that it doesn't have to be Jesus' physical presence that has to come to you where you are? All he what he understood was all Jesus had to do was just say the word. <laughs> Amen. And I want you to know, friend, Jesus is not here in the flesh with us anymore. But he is still speaking. He is still sending the word. And he is still doing mighty deeds. How do you know God is still doing miracles today? He's still speaking. He's still moving. Just say the word. And so he spoke the word. And, the, and it says the centurion's servant was healed at that very hour. Why? Because of Jesus' words, power was released. 
Now, after you go a little bit further and, and it talks about Jesus uh, meeting with going into Peter's house and, and he touches uh, Peter's mother-in-law and she's healed of fever. And it says, then after that there were many demon-possessed who were brought to him. And it says, he drove out the spirits. He drove out the spirits with what? With a word. And he healed all the sick. Amen? He spoke the word and they were free and they were whole. And then you, many of you probably remember the story. It's mentioned in several of the Gospels. And, um, and it's there when they're, when they're going across the Sea of Galilee. They're in a boat. Jesus is sleeping. And, um, and an incredible storm pops up. So bad that, that the waves are, are splashing over the boat. And these experienced fishermen who have seen all kinds of weather are literally scared to death. And they go and wake Jesus. They wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish? We're about to die? And Jesus said, you of little what? You of little faith. He's there pouring into them, raising them up as his disciples. And, uh, and, 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 and now he's just going to let you go? No, no. And so, and we all know Jesus, he, he stands up and he rebukes the winds and the waves. When you read Mark's gospel, it says that Jesus simply stood up in face of the winds and waves. And he said what? Peace, be still. And immediately... The entire sea was calm. How did all of these things happen? By the power of Jesus' word. Every single situation was by the power of his word. You know, I believe that faith is the fruit of God's word. That's divinely revealed and confirmed in our hearts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's how we can build on the rock, is when we have faith in God's Word. That's what we've been talking about, building on the rock, right? The wise man is the one who built his house upon the rock. He hears the Word and he does the Word. Why would, you, why, would you, why would you hear Christ's Word and then be stirred to put that Word into action that you trust? Because you have faith in it. How did the wise man, why did he build his life on the rock? Because he had faith in what Jesus said. Why did, the, why did the other man, why did the foolish man build his house on the sand? Because he had faith in the sand. Now that's ridiculous, that's silly. And thus the story, <laughs> the foolish man, right? And that's how, and how do you, how many, we don't have to admit it, but, but uh, probably most of us could say that somewhere in our life early on, we too were building our lives on sand. And in our understanding and the way the world was working, it seemed like that's what everybody was doing, right? But then when we came to the light, we realized, we realized what that was, that it was really just sand. And what we needed to do was build it upon the Word of God, upon the rock, Christ Jesus, upon His words. Amen? And so that's how we do this. Now, let me, let me take you back and you remember. So Jesus' power is, is revealed, is released rather, through his word. And let's go back and you remember, how, how was the world created? Exactly, by his word. I'll read the first uh, few chapter verses of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. Creation began the moment God spoke. The power of God's word. Psalm 33, 9 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. John goes on to tell us in the Gospel of John, he says what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the Word. He's the Word incarnate. He was the Word in the flesh. And I was thinking about this in in this different passage in light of who Jesus is as the Word. You know, 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, and when we face trials like some have talked about today and other types of trials that we face and go through spiritual trials, the enemy trying to work upon our mind and upon our wills and things like this. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. For the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When we have difficulty come into our life, the enemy wants to take those things and he wants to take advantage of it and set up a stronghold in our life, a stronghold of doubt and confusion and questioning because he has a plan to dislodge us from the word of God. But we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And who's Christ? He's the Word, right? So here's the thing. Are my thoughts aligned with God's Word? Am I thinking according to God's Word? Did you catch what Pastor Jared said this morning about the kids? Even our, our young kids, how they're battling things in their mind, thoughts and things that they're questioning, things that they're going through, things that, you know, different thoughts and feelings and emotions um, that are going on just this very young age. There's, there's a battle going on, and we want to help them to learn to trust God, to trust God in His Word, to rely upon God, and to let God speak th- to them and establish them their lives upon the rock, which is obedience to the Word of God. So are my thoughts according to the Word of God? Y- you know, I, you've heard me say this before, but listen, there's probably n- no more important conversation that we have than with ourselves. It's said for those that have understanding of this that we are able to speak to ourselves at the speed of 4,000 words a minute. That's about 10 times the speed that anybody else can speak into us. So guess who's, guess who's talking to us more than anybody else in the world? <laughs> we are. What are you saying to yourself? Is what you're saying to yourself in alignment with what God is saying? Oh, come on, how many of you are with me? And you say, man, so many, oh my goodness, man, that was so big. That's so big. I, I, I t- I'm going to be, I'm going to just be open and honest. Even last night, I had trouble sleeping. There were some things, how do you know, just dreams, sometimes you can't control something. And you wake up and, and just fear. I was just biting, I was battling some fear things. And, uh, you know, when you sleep, you just feel weak. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's just not strength. You, you don't feel strong to fight those things. And I got up and I had to, I had to just wrestle with those things, just, negative things what was I doing I had to take it and I had to bring in obedience to Christ because how do you know you, you speak negative things to your life are you going to feel positive and interject energetic and you know and just great no no you speak negative things to yourself it just beats you down wear you down uh, right 
And the enemy wants to try to do that. Versus if we begin to speak the things that God has spoken to over us, over us, things that we really are, how loved we are, how cared for we are, how God's got us, amen? And all those positive things and the promises of God, the goodness of God, all of a sudden we're uplifted and we're elevated. The power of the words, bringing them captive, right, by the help of the Lord and bringing them in alignment with the word of God. And so, you know, let us be strengthened and encouraged by the power of God's word. It's, it's going to do, it, it never returns void. In fact, this is a great scripture. You may have it highlighted in your Bible, Isaiah 55, 10, 11. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it says, as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We're talking about the importance of the word, the power of the word. Just say the word. Jesus, just say the word. This opening scripture today was about prayer. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Right? Knock, and the door will be opened. They were singing. It was a phrase. I can't remember what it was singing um, that Rusty was singing. There was something about, something about prayer, something about calling on the name of the Lord, and, um, and how all of this is coming together today. Right? And so the power of the word, how Jesus' how Jesus's power was released was through his word. How, how the world was created was through God's word. How did Satan attack? He attacked God's word. Right? When he came, when he was talking to Eve, he, he, questioned, he questioned her. He said this. He said what? He said, did God really say? Now listen, this is what he says. Did God really say you may not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Did he? No, he didn't say that. He said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you'll surely die. And after questioning God's word, then Satan attempts to change God's word. And he says, he, he, he totally says something that's totally contradictory to what God says. And, and Satan says to Eve, you will not surely die. That statement that statement's totally false. He's not just questioning God's word. He's totally changing God's word and saying something totally different. And that's what I said earlier. Satan wants to dislodge you and me from God's word. He tried it even with Jesus. Do you remember? What, did, what happened to Jesus' baptism? What happened? When he comes there and, and, and John baptizes him, right? You see Jesus going down in the water. What? The, the, the Holy Spirit came down upon him, rested upon him like as of a dove. And then a voice from heaven came saying, the voice of the Father came saying what? This is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Amen. This is my Son. And then later, and then the Spirit leads uh, Jesus. He goes out to, to the wilderness where he's tempted. And then the very first thing the enemy does, what does the enemy say to Jesus? He questions him. If you are the Son of God. Well, what did God just say to him? 
This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You walk out into the wilderness attempted. You're all alone. You're tired. You're hungry. He's been fasting. And in that time of weakness, the enemy comes and says, if you are the son of God, and tries to tempt him to, hey, if you really are that, then prove it. Okay? And he tries to do that. You see how the enemy works? All these things. So he, he's wanting to dislodge you and I from God's word. Why? Because that's where power is. That's where the power is. Who here remembers Charles Templeton? I can't remember if I asked you this or not. I've, I've shared it a couple of times. Did I ask you that? Um, but I, it's an incredible story. Charles, most people don't remember him, but how many remember Billy Graham? Do you know Charles Templeton somewhere along the way? I mean, both of them came out of the gate in the 1940s. They were incredible evangelists. Um, uh, Charles Templeton is act, actually co-founder of what's still going today, a ministry called Youth for Christ. Um, he's co-founder of that. Billy Graham was the first full-time evangelist for uh, church uh, for Youth for Christ. But they both started out at the same time, and I mean, filling stadiums, and people thought that Templeton was the more gifted speaker of the two. But something happened along the way, somewhere in the 40s, and Templeton went to one of the Ivy League universities, and all of a sudden he began to question everything. And all of a sudden he began to question the, the, the he began to question creation. He began to question hell. He began to question the virgin birth because in his mind, he just, he, it just couldn't, it just wouldn't come together for him. And he was, and he was after Billy, Billy, listen, you can't do this anymore. You know, how can you believe in this? And, 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 and just challenging Billy in his faith. And, and Billy said, you know what? I believe, I believe creation because the Bible says so. In other words, I believe what the Bible says. I believe the Bible truly is the Word of God, that it's infallible and that it's reliable. And I have learned over my years of ministry, and this happened decades later as he was talking with Billy and trying to, you know, say, Billy is ridiculous. He said, let me tell you, as these years that I have spoken and I have spoken from God's Word on the authority of God's Word, I have seen the power of God at work transforming lives, changing people. Folks, the proof is in it. Amen? And I don't have to defend it. And uh, you don't have to defend it. God can defend the truth and defend the word. And so really that's where it's at. You see, Billy chose to continue to build his life upon the rock, upon the word of God. And you and I have to choose what we're going to do, whether we're going to believe God's word or if we won't, right? And we keep the faith. How many of the Bible says put on the whole armor of God? And included in that armor is the shield of faith. And that we have faith in God. Do you, do you really have faith in God's word? If you and I have faith in God's word, then we'll rely on it and we'll activate it. And when God speaks, it's settled, it's done. And there's a peace that comes over us. God, oh, great. Because he just said so. Amen. Just say the word. Because he said the word. How many of you have had a storm in your life? And, be, and God comes in the middle of that storm and he speaks to you. And because he said so, it was okay. Amen? The power of the word of God. I want to say something here. You have, you put your trust and faith in God. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you'll never have questions. In fact, questions can help us in our faith being strengthened. Every single one of us has questions. People, we, we've, we've, we've come to ask things and wonder about things, and there's things that I just don't understand. 
And it's when it challenges our understanding or or our expectation that there's really a a, a rub. Here's here's the thing. There's, There's not, God doesn't have a problem with our honest questions. God doesn't have a problem with that. The disciples ask Jesus questions all the time. I think here's, here's, the, here's the way that we deal with our questions, folks. When we have questions, we take them to God. We discuss them with God, not the devil. The devil's a liar. Eve's problem was she began to converse with the devil over this. She didn't need to be talking with him. You go talk with God. And you remember one of the greatest men that ever lived, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, we just talked about, and you all know, I've I've mentioned this before, you've seen it before, but John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John later on was going through a very difficult, dark time in his life, he was in prison for ministering for Jesus, being faithful to the call, and all of those things. And finally it comes to the point, he sends his disciples, where does he send them? To Jesus. He's not talking to the devil about it. He says, I'm going to go talk with Jesus about it. He says, are you the one or do I seek for another? I want to know. And Jesus sends back the word. You just tell John what you see. You tell John what's going on. Amen? And by the power of God. And so when we have those questions, you take them to the Lord. Satan's a liar. God's a God of truth. He'll never lie to you. He'll always be honest with you. But here's the thing. Listen, none of us, nobody, nobody will ever understand before you read earlier in Isaiah chapter 55, <clears throat> those verses which says, what, as the snow comes down, as the rain comes down, and it, and it does its work, so my word will not return to me void. Before that, do you know the verse 9? Before that, it says this, as the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Who are we to think that we can understand such an incredible God? Amen. It, it, would, it would be like us sitting before, like a three-year-old standing before a, a, an incredible scholar and expecting that three-year-old to understand everything that scholar's talking about. And, 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 and the gap is, how many of you know, like way bigger than that. And so I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, we would all be in a heap of trouble if any of us could understand or all of us together could understand everything about God. We'd be in a heap of trouble because he's just so much bigger. Somewhere along the way, you just have to trust. you got to choose whether you're going to trust God or not. And, and, and you get to the point where you say, God, just say the word. I want you to know early on I learned, God, just say the word. Just speak to me and I know that it's going to be okay. We need to hear from the word of the Lord. Don't let the enemy dislodge you from that. By whatever may happen or go on in your life. Because of disappointment, because of not understanding something. And I pray that whatever you're facing, that you hear what God is saying. Let me tell you, listen, this is, this is all about Him. It's not about me. It's about, it's about God's Word and it's about us having faith in God's Word. Where does faith come from? It comes from the Word. It comes from the Lord. He imparts it. Let me, let me just tell you, listen, we can't make miracles happen. We can't do the impossible. We can't. God never asked us to do the impossible. When it came time for the Red Sea crossing, and there was a flooding, or not the Red Sea, but crossing over into the Promised Land, and you had the flooding Jordan River. God told them to take the Ark of the Covenant 
and to step in the flooding Jordan River. Their job was to take the step. That's what they could do. How many know there is nothing supernatural, miraculous about me taking a step? Even if this was a, the first foot of flooding water, there's nothing miraculous about that. The miraculous thing is when I step and all of a sudden God causes that river to back up. Amen? Whatever we do is just natural. But we respond in faith because we know unless the supernatural takes place, we're in a lot of trouble. We can't make healing come. We can't cause a certain outcome to take place that's beyond our control. But we can go to the Lord in prayer. We can seek God and we can ask of God and we can rely on God. We have all seen, we have seen people, we have seen people pray and seek for things and dozens of people gather around and pray for people and all of those things, well-meaning, godly, believing, God-fearing people and you see people get up and they walk away the same as when they came in. Because man can't do it. But God can. What we need is just to hear, Lord, just say the word. And when God says the word, it happens. And we need to go to the Lord. And here's one of the things I think that will challenge us at times is we're so prone to comparing ourselves with each other and our experiences with one another. You hear me? Don't let the enemy beat you up with that. There is in general a path that we all share, and that is a path of faith, right? But specifically speaking, it's going to be different and unique. So here's one of the things I want to say in, in, in concerning God's word. You, you follow God and you trust God. Why did, why did Joseph's brothers, why did they not have to go through what he went through? Because God had a different plan for his life. Why did he have to go through 13 years of, of slavery and suffering and all those? Because God had a different plan for his life. Right? And so you come up here, and, and here's, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Have you, any of you ever had this? You come and maybe there's an altar call for something and, um, and you, you, you feel the, the message is delivering something and, and you come up and all of a sudden and other people seem to receive something and yet you go back and you didn't receive what you sought for and then the enemy begins to play on your mind. What's wrong with you? Why didn't you get what you got but they got what they got? You see, there's that comparison because I'm different from you, you're different from me. And guess what? God's timing might be a little bit different for me than it is for you. And God's got a reason for how and when and why he does what he does. And you and I have to trust the Lord. And we got to know that when we get up out of here that God doesn't love me more and he doesn't love me less than anybody else. You see what I'm talking about? So don't you weigh your walk with God based upon your comparison with what you think somebody God might be doing in somebody else's life. It's all different. The timing is different. 
Let me, let me say it this way. You know, you take, I can take a lot of things. You can take any sport. You can take baseball, whatever. There's some basics that are the same. That the fundamentals that you throw and you catch and you hit, that everybody does that. That's the same. All right? There's some things about the Christian faith that everybody, it's the same. All right? You could say we throw, we catch, we, uh, we, we, we hit. Okay? But how do you know how people do that? How they throw, how they catch, how they bat is different. It's unique to the individual. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the same way with our Christian walk. There are some fundamentals that are the same, but how we carry that out is different based upon our personality, based upon God's specific call in our life. And so our job is just to go before the Lord. God help us if there's a Noah trying to be a Moses or a Moses trying to be a David. Or Peter trying to be Paul, or Paul trying to be Silas. God didn't make you to copy somebody else to that extent. He made you to be you. And his job is, what his goal is, for you and I to be made and molded into the image of Jesus Christ. And to be molded into that, into that vessel that he created you and me to uniquely become. And so don't let the enemy beat you up if somebody else gets something before you do. Or differently than you do. You hear what I'm saying? There's one thing that you need and that I need to get in that place. Say, God, just say the word. Because God's got a word for you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and everybody here. God's got a word for you. And it's going to be what you need in your time and your way. God doesn't love somebody else more than he does you. God's got you. All right? I don't understand, Jimmy, I don't understand why God has asked you to walk this path. And I could go, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why God calls some people to walk some path. I don't know why James was beheaded and, and Peter was delivered out of prison because of a prayer meeting. I don't get it. I don't know why some in the in the Hebrews in the in the in Hebrews eleven in the book of faith in the chapter of faith. I don't know why some miraculously delivered delivered and others gave up their life. I don't understand, but I do know this: that God loves everybody the same. But He's got a He's got a plan for each one of us. And ultimately, and somebody did this a long time. But you know, if if we if we drew a, a string from you know from the from the the downtown square um, in Covington all the way to Memphis and that represented eternity and, and we took, put a spot in the middle of that string right here. That's, that's our life. Eternity's out there. Folks, let's keep our eyes and our thoughts and our focus upon the big picture and in the middle of it to deal with it based upon what God is saying and the strength that he gives us. Amen? Just say the word. And that's what I pray this morning.